0: Section 7 of History of Australia and New Zealand from 1696 to 1890. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. History of Australia and New Zealand from 1696 to 1890 by Alexander and George Sutherland. Discoveries in the Interior eighteen seventeen to eighteen thirty six one oxley after the passage over the blue mountains had been discovered in eighteen thirteen and the beautiful pasture land round bathurst had been opened up to the enterprise of the squatters it was natural that the colonists should desire to know something of the nature and capabilities of the land which stretched away to the west in eighteen seventeen they sent mr oxley the surveyor-general to explore the country towards the interior directing him to follow the course of the lachlan and discover the ultimate fate as they called it of its waters taking with him a small party he set out from the settled districts on the macquarie and for many days walked along the banks of the lachlan through undulating districts of woodland and rich meadow but after a time the explorers could perceive that they were gradually entering upon a region of totally different aspect the ground was growing less and less hilly the tall mountain trees were giving place to stunted shrubs and the fresh green of the grassy slopes was disappearing at length they emerged on a great plain filled with dreary swamps which stretched as far as the eye could reach like one vast dismal sea of waving reeds into this forbidding region they penetrated forcing their way through the tangled reeds and over weary miles of oozy mud into which they sank almost to the knees at every step ere long they had to abandon this effort to follow the lachlan throughout its course they therefore retraced their steps and striking to the south succeeded in going round the great swamp which had opposed their progress again they followed the course of the river for some distance entering as they journeyed into regions of still greater desolation but again they were forced to desist by a second swamp of the same kind the lachlan here seemed to lose itself in interminable marshes and as no trace could be found of its further course oxley concluded that they had reached the end of the river as he looked around on the dreary expanse he pronounced the country to be forever uninhabitable and on his return to bathurst he reported that in this direction at least there was no opening for enterprise the Lachlan, he said flows into an extensive region of swamps which are perhaps only the margin of a great inland sea oxley was afterwards sent to explore the course of the macquarie river but was as little successful in this as in his former effort the river flowed into a wide marsh some thirty or forty miles long and he was forced to abandon his purpose he started for the eastern coast crossed the new england range and descended the long woodland slopes to the sea discovering on his way the river hastings two allen cunningham several important discoveries were effected by an enthusiastic botanist named allen cunningham who in his search for new plants succeeded in opening up country which had been previously unknown in eighteen twenty five he found a passage over the liverpool range through a wild and picturesque gap which he called the pandora pass and on the other side of the mountains he discovered the fine pastoral lands of the liverpool plains and the darling downs which are watered by three branches of the upper darling the peel the gwydder and the dumaresque the squatters were quick to take advantage of these discoveries and after a year or two this district was covered with great flocks of sheep it was here that the australian agricultural company formed their great stations already referred to three hume and hovel the southern coasts of the district now called victoria had been carefully explored by flinders and other sailors but the country which lay behind these coasts was quite unknown in eighteen twenty four governor brisbane suggested a novel plan of exploration he proposed to land a party of convicts at wilson's promontory with instructions to work their way through the interior to sydney where they would receive their freedom the charge of the party was offered to hamilton hume a young native of the colony and a most expert and intrepid bushman he was of an energetic and determined though somewhat domineering disposition and was anxious to distinguish himself in the work of exploration he declined to undertake the expedition in the manner proposed by governor brisbane but offered to conduct a party of convicts from sydney to the southern coasts a sea captain named hovel asked permission to accompany him with these two as leaders and six convict servants to make up the party they set out from lake george carrying their provisions in two carts drawn by teams of oxen as soon as they met the murrumbidgee their troubles commenced the river was so broad and swift that it was difficult to see how they could carry their goods across hume covered the carts with tarpaulin so as to make them serve as punts then he swam across the river carrying the end of a rope between his teeth and with this he pulled over the loaded punts The men and oxen then swam across, and once more pushed forward. But the country through which they had now to pass was so rough and woody that they were obliged to abandon their carts and load the oxen with their provisions. They journeyed on, through hilly country, beneath the shades of deep and far-spreading forests. To their left they sometimes caught a glimpse of the snow-capped peaks of the Australian Alps, and at length, they reached the banks of a clear and rapid stream which they called the Hume, but which is now known as the Murray. Their carts being no longer available, they had to construct boats of wickerwork and cover them with tarpaulin. Having crossed the river, they entered the lightly timbered slopes to the north of Victoria, and holding their course southwest, they discovered first the river Ovens, and then a splendid stream which they called the hovel now known as the Goulburn, their great object however was to reach the ocean and every morning when they left their camping place they were sustained by the hope of coming before evening in view of the open sea but day after day passed without any prospect of a termination to their journey hume and hovel seeing a high peak at some little distance left the rest of the party to themselves for a few days and with incredible labor ascended the mountain in the expectation of beholding from its summit the great southern ocean in the distance nothing was to be seen however but the waving tops of gum trees rising ridge after ridge away to the south wearily they retraced their steps to the place where the others were encamped they called this peak mount disappointment having altered the direction of their course a little in a few days they were rejoiced by the sight of a great expanse of water passing through country which they declared to resemble in its freshness and beauty the well-kept park of an english nobleman they reached a bay which the natives called geelong here a dispute took place between the leaders hovel asserting that the sheet of water before them was western port hume that it was port phillip hume expressed the utmost contempt for hovel's ignorance hovel retorted with sarcasms on hume's dogmatism and conceit and the rest of the journey was embittered by so great an amount of ill-feeling that the two explorers were never again on friendly terms hume's careful and sagacious observations of the route by which they had come enabled him to lead the party rapidly and safely back to sydney where the leaders were rewarded with grants of land and the convicts with tickets of leave four captain sturt the long drought which occurred between eighteen twenty six and eighteen twenty eight suggested to governor darling the idea that as the swamps which had impeded oxley's progress would be then dried up the exploration of the river macquarie would not present the same difficulties as formerly the charge of organizing an expedition was given to captain sturt who was to be accompanied by hume with a party of two soldiers and eight convicts they carried with them portable boats but when they reached the macquarie they found its waters so low as to be incapable of floating them properly trudging on foot along the banks of the river they reached the place where oxley had turned back it was no longer a marsh but with the intense heat the clay beneath their feet was baked and hard there was the same dreary stretch of reeds now withered and yellow under the glare of the sun sturt endeavoured to penetrate this solitude but the physical exertion of pushing their way through the reeds was too great for them if they paused to rest they were almost suffocated in the hot and pestilent air the only sound they could hear was the distant booming of the bittern and a feeling of the most lonely wretchedness pervaded the scene at length they were glad to leave this dismal region and strike to the west through a flat and monotonous district where the shells and claws of crayfish told of frequent inundations Through this plain there flowed a river, which Sturt called the Darling in honour of the Governor. They followed this river for about ninety miles, and then took their way back to Sydney, Sturt being now able to prove that the belief in the existence of a great inland sea was erroneous. 5. The Murray In 1829, along with a naturalist named Maclay, sturt was again sent out to explore the interior and on this occasion carried his portable boats to the murrumbidgee on which he embarked his party of eight convicts they rowed with a will and soon took the boat down the river beyond its junction with the lachlan the stream then became narrow a thick growth of overhanging trees shut out the light from above while beneath the rushing waters bore them swiftly over dangerous snags and through whirling rapids until they were suddenly shot out into the broad surface of a noble stream which flowed gently over its smooth bed of sand and pebbles this river they called the murray but it was afterwards found to be only the lower portion of the stream which had been crossed by hume and hovel several years before sturt's manner of journeying was to row from sunrise to sunset then land on the banks of the river and encamp for the night this exposed the party to some dangers from the suspicious natives who often mustered in crowds of several hundreds but sturt's kindly manner and pleasant smile always converted them into friends so that the worst mishap he had to record was the loss of his frying-pan and other utensils together with some provisions which were stolen by the blacks in the dead of night after twilight the little encampment was often swarming with dark figures but sturt joined in their sports and maclay especially became a great favorite with them by singing comic songs at which the dusky crowds roared with laughter the natives are generally good-humoured if properly managed and throughout sturt's trip the white men and the blacks contrived to spend a very friendly and sociable time together after following the murray for about two hundred miles below the lachlan they reached a place where a large river flowed from the north into the murray this was the mouth of the river darling which sturt himself had previously discovered and named he now turned his boat into it in order to examine it for a short distance but after they had rowed a mile or two they came to a fence of stakes which the natives had stretched across the river for the purpose of catching fish rather than break the fence and so destroy the labours of the blacks sturt turned to sail back the natives had been concealed on the shore to watch the motions of the white men and, seeing their considerate conduct they came forth upon the bank and gave a loud shout of satisfaction the party in the boat unfurled the british flag and answered with three hearty cheers as they slowly drifted down with the current this humane disposition was characteristic of captain sturt who in after life was able to say that he had never either directly or indirectly caused the death of a black fellow when they again entered on the murray they were carried gently by the current first to the west then to the south and as they went onward they found the river grow deeper and wider until it spread into a broad sheet of water which they called lake alexandrina after the name of our present queen who was then the princess alexandrina victoria on crossing this lake they found the passage to the ocean blocked up by a great bar of sand, and were forced to turn their boat round and face the current, with the prospect of a toilsome journey of a thousand miles before they could reach home. They had to work hard at their oars, Sturt taking his turn like the rest. At length they entered the Murrumbidgee, but their food was now failing, and the labor of pulling against the stream was proving too great for the men whose limbs began to grow feeble and emaciated day by day they struggled on swinging more and more wearily at their oars their eyes glassy and sunken with hunger and toil and their minds beginning to wander as the intense heat of the midsummer sun struck on their heads one man became insane the others frequently laid down declaring that they could not row another stroke and were quite willing to die sturt animated them and with enormous exertions he succeeded in bringing the party to the settled districts where they were safe they had made known the greatest river of australia and traversed one thousand miles of unknown country so that this expedition was by far the most important that had yet been made into the interior and sturt by land with Flinders, by sea, stands first on the roll of Australian discoverers. 6. Mitchell The next traveller who sought to fill up the blank map of Australia was Major Mitchell. Having offered in 1831 to conduct an expedition to the northwest, he set out with fifteen convicts and reached the Upper Darling, but two of his men who had been left behind to bring up provisions were speared by the blacks and the stores plundered this disaster forced the company soon after to return in eighteen thirty five when the major renewed his search he was again unfortunate the botanist of the party richard cunningham brother of the allan cunningham already mentioned was treacherously killed by the natives and finally the determined hostility of the blacks brought the expedition to an ignominious close in eighteen thirty six major mitchell undertook an expedition to the south and in this he was much more successful taking with him a party of twenty-five convicts he followed the Lachlan to its junction with the murrumbidgee here he stayed for a short time to explore the neighbouring country but the party was attacked by hordes of natives some of whom were shot the major then crossed the murray and from a mountain-top in the loddon district he looked forth on a land which he declared to be like the garden of eden on all sides rich expanses of woodland and grassy plains stretched away to the horizon watered by abundant streams they then passed along the slopes of the grampians and discovered the river on which they embarked in the boats which they had carried with them the scenery along this stream was magnificent luxurious festoons of creepers hung from the banks trailing downwards in the eddying current and partly concealing the most lovely grottoes which the current had wrought out of the pure white banks of limestone the river wound round abrupt hills and through verdant valleys which made the latter part of their journey to the sea most agreeable and refreshing being stopped by the bar at the mouth of the glenelg they followed the shore for a short distance eastward and then turned towards home portland bay now lay on their right and mitchell made an excursion to explore it what was his surprise to see a neat cottage on the shore with a small schooner in front of it at anchor in the bay this was the lonely dwelling of the brothers henty who had crossed from tasmania and founded a whaling station at portland bay on mitchell's return he had a glorious view from the summit of mount macedon and what he saw induced him on his return to sydney to give to the country the name australia felix as a reward for his important services he received a vote of one thousand pounds from the council at sydney and he was shortly afterwards knighted so that he is now known as sir thomas mitchell End of section seven recording by linda johnson